Hello everybody, welcome to Eminem Podcast, the Canberra Football Show, episode 18. Uh, the MPL 2 final just wrapped up, that is going to be mostly on our agenda and we'll, we will be discussing the, ref- the reformation of the, uh, the structure of competitions for MPLW and MPL 2 specifically and we'll uh, touch a little bit upon the MPL youth as well while we're at it. But of course we'll start with the MPL 2 final, but first uh, Michael is joining me again today. Michael, how are you? And I'm sure uh, everyone would like to know how your state league finished up. Uh, mate, it's good to good to be back on. Good to uh, you know be back on the podcast with you again. Um, in terms of the state league, yeah, look, um, we ended the season with a with a six two win. Um, heading into that game, it was the last game of the season. I hadn't I hadn't scored all season, so the the boys were giving me a bit a bit of stick um, because it's tradition in our team that if you don't score all season long, you've got to do a nudie wrong uh, at the end of season trip. So. I made sure to score at the last game of the season. Um, left it a bit late, but um, yeah, a great, a great season. Um, it, was, it was good. Like I've said in previous podcasts, it was just the main aspect was to get back out on the pitch I- any way we could. And even though we played seven games all season, we still all had a great time uh, playing together. And uh, let's just hope next season we can play more than, more than seven games when everything goes back to normal. What is the standard grounds? How many games in a season? Uh, well, last year, I mean, I think we we had about... I only played sort of six games last year because I, I strained my, my hip flexor, so I didn't... I, I essentially wasn't 100% fit after the third game of the season, but we, including the grand final, we probably, probably played around anywhere between sort of 14 to 16 games. Um, so we played... We played less than double the amount this season than what we did compared to last year. No finals either. No, no finals either. So we, as, although you're looking at it at it as essentially not playing for really anything, we were just happy to sort of get back on the field and, and play with each other, which I think was most important. That seems to be the uh, the main key. Whenever you've talked to uh, when you whenever you talk to anyone that isn't in the senior competitions, or if you talk to someone who has like a kid in like the youth, mm. they're playing most of the season, but they're not doing finals for like thirteens. Uh, and stuff like that which is you know it, it, it is whatever it is and you know um, let's just hope that uh, next year everything goes back to reasonably normal in terms of competition um, matches and whatnot, and everyone can get uh, the full majority of matches that they usually play under their belt alright Michael do you want to get started with the MPL 2 final shall we alright well Matt what a, what a game it was I know that you were um, up in the uh, spectators area there uh, watching on at Deakin Stadium uh, yesterday, um, it was the Wagga City Wanderers who were crowned the MPL Two champions. Uh, what a game it was! Uh, it was two-two after um, extra time, uh, with Wagga pulling out five-four winners on a penalty shootout, a close penalty shootout. I mean, it was a close game uh, throughout the duration of the of the contest. I mean, it was back and forth. Um, we're talking about one of probably the best final out of the three premier competitions uh, over the last couple of weeks. I mean, what, what a game it was, Matt. Uh, do you mind uh, getting into it for us? Oh, look, I was absolutely speechless several times during the match. If anyone at least heard about what happened, there was like three different endings. Uh, and that's not just because there was the regular game in the second half. Sorry, the regular game, then the extra time and the penalties. It was... It was just drama. It was tit for tat. Um, when you thought someone had won it, then someone else came back to win it. When you thought someone else had the lead, it was just, it was football at its finest, and it was extremely entertaining, very dramatic. Um, obviously, it wouldn't, I mentioned this when you hear the interviews a little bit later, but I think uh, one of the coaches, uh, I think it was Michael Babbage, the one coach, said to him, "Just like it was a very enter- entertaining game for the neutral, but you know, not. I'm assuming it wouldn't be for you, you know, considering how many times you guys, both you coaches, won and lost, you know, were winning yeah. and losing that game." And he, I think the first thing he said to me was, Matt, were you entertained? I'm just like... Yeah. So it certainly was. And I'm sure everyone that was watching on Bar TV with Russ commentating was entertained as well. So I just want to break down half by half because mm-hmm. there was so much that went on that first half. There's a lot to digest. Oh, mate. It was, it was, it was insane. And just, it was like, I was in the media, in the media room. Then I came out and I went on one side uh, next, you know, where the canteen is a deacon. I went, I sat, I, st- I s- 
stayed for the majority of the first half on that side. Then in the second half, I switched to the other side because I wanted to feel the, the crowd. This was by far, before I start, this was by far the most, the, the best atmosphere out of all the finals. I have a fear, either more people, obviously more people decided to come because they wanted to travel and they were both allowed to come. Uh, I know Wagra have been allowed to travel, but Ugali haven't. They haven't been allowed to travel to Canberra for the last six weeks or something like that, as we've discussed before. Mm. But uh, they came out in force, and so did the Wagga came out in force. Uh, quick mention, the under-23 um, MPL2 that went just before it. Wagga also won that on penalties against ANU. Great day for the club, wasn't it? Yeah. Under-23s and uh, MPL2 competitions. That was, that was an even tighter match. Less, less drama, but it was even tighter in terms of how both teams were playing. It was 1-1, and then they won 5-4, I think, also on penalties. And the Wagga fans were going nuts for that one. And it, it didn't seem like they were going as nuts for the first grade, but that's only because ANU's fan didn't have as many fans as Wagga did. But Ugali had as many fans as Wagga did. So it didn't seem like Wagga was loud in the second bit. But they, so they, they were definitely both extremely loud. And it was great to have an atmosphere, especially after the first two finals, where I know that tickets were a little more restricted. And, you know, uh, a lot of the spectators were only allowed to bring, like, one parent or one family member or something like that. I think it was... They delved out more tickets for this one. Either that or there was just less volunteers there, less, you know, there was less other less people workers. There, Less yeah. media, less workers. Yeah. So that's probably why they're allowed to bring more. But it was fantastic. So let's just get straight into it. First half, unfortunately for Ugali, Joey, Joe Priest came off with an injury. He was standing next uh, behind me. He was wanted to get a better view and he was just yelling from behind me as well, trying to get the team G'd up also. Mm-hmm. He came off, he's the centre midfielder. He must have been carrying a knock or something. I heard him, uh, yeah, I think he said... He was carrying up before the game, and as soon as he kicked the ball, he was just, you know, you could just tell he was limping. Um, I forgot what he said he, he had, but uh, the guy just, it was, it was unfortunate. That was the first five minutes he had to come off. Uh, Ugali, like I said, had an early flurry before Wagga had uh, one of the best chances of the first 20 or so minutes, which was saved by DePauli. Then a goal, then the goal came for Wagga City Wanderers from uh, Matthew Menza. Anyone who's been uh, following Canberra football for the last 10 years know knows who he is, and uh, he had a beautiful shot uh, from outside of, outside, nearly outside the box and outside of his boot as well, curled in the top corner. I mean, Ugali controlled the majority of the possession before, you know, you know before this, but uh, Wagga sort of bided their time, they wait, they sat back, and they counted, and they defended really, really well. So to end the first half, like I said, Wagga settled very well. Michael Babich's game plan, where if you li- listen to one of my interviews in the middle of the week, where I previewed both the things, he he was talking about how they've they've been planning for Ugali for the last month just in case they made the final because they were they they uh, Michael said he was like ninety five percent certain if we made the final we were going to play Ugali so just in case they sort of had this game plan and to be fair to him for the first eighty four minutes before that goal went in from Ugali far out they they really nullified Ugali you, you you could tell their heads were down they weren't as not that their heads were down, but they were just very frustrated. They were frustrated they could not break down Wagga City Wanderers. But as I'm about to mention, once Ugali broke them for the goal, you saw the best of Ugali. You saw the Ugali that you saw all year. Maybe not converting as many chances as they usually do, but far out. You know, any any other any thoughts on that uh, first half from what you saw? Uh, like I said, I, th- I think you hit the nail on the head uh, pretty pretty well, uh, Matt. You know, before Wagga scored, I think uh, Ugali had maintain possession relatively well but like you mentioned I think Wagga have sort of been keeping their eye on Ugali all season long uh, just in case they were going to end up against them in the final like they ended up doing um, yesterday and you know just choosing to elect to stick with the game plan of sort of just holding back uh, really nullifying uh, any sort of space for Ugali to exploit um, in the final third and you know, really just looked to hit on the on the counter attack, but they did, which they did, um, which they did numerous times. Uh, Matt, so what what happened in the uh, in the second half? Yeah, and uh, a little more of the same. Mm. And it, Ugali got a lot more frustrated, I would say, in the second half before they scored. Now Ugali did have more chances in this regard, but they also just stopped them from part because what Ugali do well is they they pass very quickly, one twos around everybody, and they usually a lot of their goals. They either run it around the keeper or they like run it around a defender, and they're always they always end up in one on ones. From what I've seen from Ugali, they're just very quick and very uh, intricate with the way they pass. And Wagga just disrupted that completely. Everyone was running back. Uh, everyone was uh, putting in their bit, and it worked really well. Like I said, up until maybe the 84th minute. 
Um, however, when that 84th minute happened, uh, Ugali equalised through Grant uh, Davidson. And what a he, goal. Oh, mate, it was absolutely fantastic. Uh, I was on, I guess, the Ugali side when this happened, and they were going absolutely bonkers. They were, the fans were getting, you know, a bit annoyed and uh, that they weren't able to score. The players were getting annoyed, and the you could just tell it was just, um, everyone was very anxious. Yeah, it was a massive relief. You, I think you could really make that out when... Yulgali uh, equalised there. Um, I mean, I was watching the the game on my on my computer uh, for Bar TV through Bar TV Sports, um, and you could hear how electric the crowd was, especially the and I mean the Yulgali fans. Um, they went absolutely crazy when that goal went in. It was a it was a quality goal as well. You love to see goals like that, um, you know, in in such important moments in important games, and um, they they managed to. To deliver, it was an absolute banger, Michael. It was, you know, uh, it was a, a volley. He sort of uh, controlled it for himself, let it bounce, turn, turn the defender, hit a volley. It was fantastic. Ever like, you know, those sheds, uh, the sheds, like there's someone near that. Everyone was banging on the sheds. I was banging on the door, smacking the chairs. A lot of noise. There were some old people playing bocce just behind the uh, the stand there. Yeah. Um, and they, I, 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 I quickly, I just, I saw all the noise when I was looking around the fans. I saw them, and they were all like. Oh, what's going on over there? Because they didn't—they obviously weren't watching the match. They were just there playing bocce like they always do. Mm-hmm. It was just so funny. Um, but in saying that, though, you could see the relief on Ugali. And to be fair, they did not stop there. They were not waiting for extra time. You saw the best of Ugali, in my opinion, in this match straight after they scored. They had about four really, really good chances on goal. And this is the last five minutes and stoppage time as well. The uh, Danny Roach came ex- probably the closest to scoring in injury time when. He hit a he hit a he hit a cross for an open for an open goal. The the keeper was very far out, um, except the other Ugali attacker wasn't able to get onto it. it. You know, one of those ones where it rolls right across goal. Mm-hmm. And you're like, oh, if someone was on the end of that, that would have been in. Yep. Um, uh, but like I said, Robert Fry made three fantastic and very key saves in injury time, all after the 90th minute, which kept Wagger in the game, and Ugali had all the momentum from here. So. I remember Michael, the Wagga coach, was telling me in that interview that he felt if we'll, uh, when, because when they went to extra time against Queen City, Queen City scored with 10 minutes ago, right? Yep. And um, when they, oh, was it 10 minutes ago? Or maybe it was less than 10 minutes ago. Anyway. It was so around they, that mark. Yeah, and they didn't really have much time to get another equaliser. And he said that worked well because if they had, you know, 20 or 30 minutes, they would have had all the momentum. That's usually how it works. Yep. So they were just able to hold on. Um, and if you're a coach in that situation, you're like, all right, let's just get through this. Let's get through this moment. Because once you have that break in stoppage, you're immediately going to have... The momentum is going to be somewhat cut because you have to stop, and the momentum gets cut a little bit. And credit to Wagga, though, they didn't sit back in injury time. Once injury time happened, it was back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. This is when the game really started to get very... Um, Intense. Yeah, in that extra time. Even more yeah. intense than it was before. And it was getting very intense before. Uh, there was a lot of uh, challenges. There was a lot of... The stakes were very high, obviously, at, oh, yeah. at, in and around that point of the game. In, in any sort of final, when you're, you've reached extra time... Quite a few. You know, you don't want to go to a... You really don't want to go to a penalty shootout because um, it's, you know, sort of a, a coin flip 50-50 chance on who's going to prevail in a, in a penalty shootout. Um so I wasn't surprised at all when I saw that both teams were really going for it and, the, and it was really back and forth, both teams uh, creating chances um, to get it done uh, before that shootout. I mean, it was thoroughly entertaining. Um, it, it was very good to watch. Um, it, it was great quality for an, for an MPL2 game. Um, we've said it all season long. They've had some cracking games and this, I think, sort of just epitomised what the competition has been about all season. Fantastic games. There have been some really good teams that have shown potential to you know um make that step up to the to the mpl1 um you know in the in the future uh which is going to be very exciting to see i in in indeed uh that's a very good way to put it that's the way i put it in one of the interviews that you'll Mm. hear coming up i just said i i feel like this match encapsulated what mpl2 is all about and how underrated mpl2 is because everyone looks at and sees the second division they don't think it's as good quality but like we've said all season there's six especially near the end of it there were six teams vying for that top four um, I think the competition would have received a lot more 
you know, attention and, and praise had it, you know, been uh, streamed all season long as well, uh, which was unfortunate. Um, so hopefully that can get fixed up in the in the near future because, like we just touched on just then, it was such an important um, competition this year, thoroughly entertaining, and uh, you know it would have been great to have those, those games uh, at the at the palms of you know spectators, fans, or any a, a, anyone that took any sort of general interest in um, football here in the in the ACT and surrounding regions. Oh, without a doubt, and it was just absolutely fantastic in that regard and like I said it like you said it epitomized it but I felt it especially epitomized it in the uh, in the second half like I said it was back and forth back and forth it was like I said it was getting a bit feisty um there was quite a few uh tussles and near fights and shoves and a few yellow cards were getting uh handed out by Nathan Shakespeare yeah. and uh probably his most um a little bit uh from what I've heard around a little bit of controversial decision was uh, the penalty he gave to Wagga. And the only reason why I say it's a little bit controversial is because um, I heard, you know, quite a, uh, some people saying, oh, was it a penalty? Was it a penalty? There was a big hoo-ha about it in the crowd because there were some Wagga fans over near where the Ugali fans were. And like, they were actually full on arguing if it was a penalty or not. Oh, wow. And so the, f- the fact that they were arguing whether it was a penalty or not to each other. These are the fans, not the, the, the things. So just number one proves how passionate both the fans were, but it sort of proves how important this game was when every single decision that's made is considered either controversial or, you know. Well, it can have a massive impact on the game. you just got to take a look at the stakes and the, and the, exactly. and the scenario. And um, so, so what happened was... Uh, and the, re- the only reason, is, of course, why I say that is because... Isaac Brooker was, uh, young Isaac Brooker, who won man of the match, by the way, was taken out. It looked sort of like on an angle from behind, and he got the ball. So it's always one of those 50-50 yeah. sort of things. Um, even if you think, oh, well, he got the ball, don't forget. It was really tough to sort of gauge. And But don't forget, though, the majority of referees are, if it's from behind, even if you do get the ball, even if it is from an angle from behind, majority of them... Well, because you're going through the back out. of the player... Uh, you're which you're not allowed to, which you're not allowed to really do, um, no matter where you are on 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 the pitch. If you're trying to get the ball, but what's preventing you is uh, the body in in front of you. Um, you can't then go through that player to to get the ball if that if that makes sense. Uh, we 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 see it all the time. You can't go through the player in order to in order to get the ball. Yeah, and, and you never, and then the player's never going to be able to stay on, on their feet either when you're no. coming out from an angle. So That's um, right. even if even if you're the the person who's tackling them, and you think either oh I won the ball or you know the play fell down easily, well it's, it's very hard with that momentum to not. But that 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 wasn't the issue there. But that's just in that general mode. So. Yeah, uh, Isaac Brooker was the one that stepped up. Actually, he wasn't the one that got um sorry, he wasn't on the one that got tackled, but he did step up for the spot kick. Yep. Put it away very very well. Probably one of the youngest people on the team, and he uh, stepped up when the big moment counted, five minutes before full time uh, or the end of extra time, and he stepped up and he put it away. No nerves uh, to be seen, and it by this point it was sort of what happened before at the end of the first half, at the end of the first part of the game where. Ugali were getting frustrated again. They had a lot more chances, obviously, but they were just getting frustrated. It seemed like it was over. The crowd sort of, you know, would die Deflated. down a bit. And then out of nowhere, literally the last kick of the game from the corner, Don Adele, uh, with a strike, he just went for, went for broke. He just said, screw it, went for broke, and scored from the right-hand side of the field, yeah. right on the edge, all the way to the, uh, the far left post what did you think when you saw yeah, that because it went over the keeper yeah into that far left left side of the goal I think obviously when you're watching that given his body angle uh, and what he was obviously intending to do it looked like he was trying to just get the ball in the in the area uh, in, in the box so that they could have a few players sort of attack that ball given that they only really had one last chance to get any sort of goal to send it to a penalty shootout and um, it was bizarre um, you know you do see those goals sometimes you know when you have a player that's kind of on the on the on the touchline whether they're on the left or right and they're, they're aiming to sort of you know get that ball uh, in and around the the penalty area 
and they kind of miscue it, but it actually works in their favour, sort of just dips over the keeper and goes on the goal, and that's exactly what happened. And I mean, whether it was intentional or not, you take it, because um, it obviously got them uh, to a penalty shootout. And if you thought the Ugali uh, crowd were loud before, they, went, <laughs> even, they, they yeah. went even nuts, even more nuts. And by this point, I was back on that side, and I think I was writing my notes, I was getting ready to... Um, I was, yeah, I was, yeah I was, my, my notes were well, I, mean, I think I had my questions done by that point and as soon as that happened you had know, to rip the page up no I, 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 put it, <laughs> I put it straight in my back pocket and I, I don't think I ended up using it um, yeah. because I had it ready because I thought the game was um, um, like most people thought the game was over I think there was only like one or two people in the crowd going oh just attack just attack just attack but by that point the majority of the crowd were done and yeah well done to Donatel for that foresight. Um, just to, just to go for broke. Why not? You got nothing to lose, and they reaped the rewards. Legitimately, the last kick of the game they scored. You just, I think I went in back inside the media room and I said to uh, who was there? I think it was Tony Vidovich, the camera crash president. He was just like, "Well, what the hell did I just see?" Because he was running the canteen, so it was, he was like outside. He was, always, yeah. he was always trying to watch the game, mm. and um, he was just absolutely gobsmacked. So was everyone in there. They were amazed to say the least. And, of course, it led us to penalties. And it sort of went a little bit similar to how the other one went. Uh, it was a From very... the 23s match? Yeah, the, yeah, it was just... It was 5-4. Uh, they both went past the regular, you know, the regular five. They both missed past the regular five. Yep. Either missed or got saved. Uh, right. I don't specifically remember which one. But it went to sudden death. And, like I said, it was 5-4 in the end. And Jacob Brooker, uh, the man of the match, stepped up for the final penalty... Oh, sorry, he wasn't man of the match. He's, um, Isaac was the man of the yes. match. But, he, uh, but Brooker did step up for the final penalty, resulting in the championship victory. And, of course, the Wagga fans went absolutely mental and distraught on the face of Ugali. And as you'll hear very soon from Luke Santolini, he felt like he sort of lost the match three times. Uh, but you, you could just tell how devastated they were, how much it meant to them, and how much it meant to... How much it meant to Wagga as well. Like uh, you could see how emotional everyone was. You know, everyone how emotional everyone was, and you know, it got to the point where everyone was trying to have pictures with the with the trophy, but you can't take the big group picture because Cover Football no. won't allow. They'll allow yeah, you to have COVID individual measures. ones or three or four, but you won't be able to have the. You, it, that that's another story for another time. But in saying <laughs> that, though, the elation there from Wagga sort of encapsulated how much this meant to them. This was their first. MPL two senior championships since joining the competition. I think it was their first 23s as well. Mm -hmm. And so they went back-to-back, -back, winning both of them. So it's a very successful year for them. Yep. For Ugali, they were absolutely distraught, especially with uh, winning the um, unofficial minor premiership, finishing top of the table. Uh, their first season, technically, their first season in Canberra in a very, very long time. You could see some of the oldies came out as well. Uh, they're a very um, prestigious football club within... Um, within the Ugali and Griffith area. Yeah. It, there was just so much emotion and uh, emotion slash devastation on both sides. You could see how much it meant to everybody there and the fans as well. But they were, at the end of the day, the fans were very proud of their team and so was their coach. You could hear him just saying, all right, we had a great season, guys, you know, heads up. You know, we did really well. And you saw that. I'm sure everyone saw their socials where they were all having a nice beer on the yeah. on the way back on the bus. So yeah. no, they, um, they're not holding there. They shouldn't hold their heads down. Let's leave it this way. No, not at all. Uh, I, th I think to look at, uh, at both teams' uh, story uh, for, from the final and sort of just taking a step back and, and reflecting on... Uh, the outcome and what it meant for both teams. I think you look at Wagga City, who what, what a great day for them. We we touched on it earlier to to win the 23s competition and the MPL2 competition in the in the manner that they did to sort of you know really embrace you know a never say die attitude and to fight to the last minute. I think both teams really uh, really showed that and uh, their efforts paid off. Uh, massively, and you know, it's a great day for their fans who turned up at, at Deakin Stadium to to witness that, and it it boasts really well for them uh, go, going forward. I mean, to have your your twenty threes, you, you'll have a lot of those players sort of, you know, looking to to make the step up to the MPL two side who have just managed to accomplish the same goal and, and win their uh, uh, premiership, uh, sorry, the grand final. Uh, there'll be a lot of uh, players looking to come up. Um, and uh, embrace uh, that MPL2 uh, football. Uh, you know, they, they're going to have a, a massive year uh, next year. 
uh, Wagga, they, they will. Um, there, there's no doubt around that, and I'm excited to really see how how they go forward after you know the the 23s and the and the MPL2 side managing to clinch the the grand finals. And for Ugali, I mean they, they've had a great year. We, we've talked about it all season long. They've played a really great style of, of football, which has caught the eye of you know a lot of fans and and spectators and and those that have watched the MPL2 competition all season long. You know, they were, they were the top dogs. They finished, like you mentioned, unofficially top of the table. And, uh, you know, from their Facebook post that I saw that you were touching on there, how they were all having a beer on the bus on the way home, they, they were unhappy, obviously, not to pull through and win the grand final. But, they, you know, they still had a fantastic season. As they said, they still finished uh, top of the table. And there's a lot of positives to to look back on uh, throughout the, the shortened shortened year but they both had spectacular uh, seasons and they can only be proud uh, of their efforts and for us to be able to come on here and, and talk about it too um, you know it is a pleasure and I I hope that we can talk about more grand finals like this uh, to, to come I'm sure we will and we'll touch on it uh, finally after everyone not only They've, I think they've heard enough of our thoughts for, thoughts for now. Let's, yeah. uh, first, let's uh, before we come back and wrap it up, let's uh, head to the thoughts of both the coaches. We'll start with the Wagga City Wanderers coach, Michael Babbage, who I spoke to straight after the game. All right, Michael, first and foremost, congratulations. Uh, that was a fantastic game of football, back and forth, back and forth. Maybe not so much in terms of your emotions as a coach going back, uh, going down uh, twice after taking the lead. First, just to sum up your emotions right now, uh, considering you guys uh, won the grand final at the end of the day. Oh, I'm extremely happy. Um, I'm usually pretty relaxed on the sideline and uh, the character that the boys showed today to concede in the 85th minute, lift themselves up and go and play 30 minutes of extra time and to concede a lucky goal with the last kick of the ball and lift themselves up and go and do penalty shootouts the way they did. I'm so proud of the boys. And um, in the first 90, you said you were working on uh, your game plan for a couple of weeks just in case you made the final against Ugali. Do you feel, uh, before that goal went in, do you feel you guys um, you just sort of played that uh, game plan out to fruition? Oh, I think we did. I was happy with how we went. Um, our main setup and a lot of the work we've done is um, being patient without the ball and work in, um, when we're in ball position, opposition. And I thought we did that extremely well. We restricted their scoring chances quite well. You've got a side that scores as many goals as they do and you limit their opportunities. Yeah, I'm, I was pretty happy that we managed to play out our game plan. And you had a lot of uh, players that uh, played very well today. Um, of course, Isaac Brooker won a uh, man of the match. And I, I also thought uh, your Keevan Fry was absolutely fantastic, especially in that last uh, five minutes there. He made at least three crucial saves. What do you think about their performances? Oh, Isaac's been outstanding all year long. He's been very consistent. That's the level he's played at. And uh, he was very big for us today. He had to drop back from the midfield to the back line when we needed, and he, he did a super job. Uh, Rob's the heart and soul of the club. He's our, you know, our goalkeeper, and some of those saves he made towards the end of the game, I mean, they're game-winning saves. So, you know, I couldn't be happier for either, either one of the boys. And you guys also won the uh, under-23s grand final as well, and you had a lot of support coming here, very, very loud all day. Is there anything you wanted to say about your uh, your Wagga crowd and um, everyone that came out here today? Oh, look, you know, we got the best fans in, in the league and, you know, the, the way they rallied the boys, the way they cheered everything, um, you know, it just makes the boys want to play, play football. And it was a pretty special day to have them here. And lastly... Uh, that uh, that was the MPL2 final, absolutely fantastic. Back and forth, back and forth. Is there anything uh, uh, you wanted to say in terms of the, the quality of the MPL2, um, especially after that match? I know we said it before, but that I think sort of summed up how uh, underrated and how great MPL2 is. Oh, look, I hope everyone that watched it was entertained. You know, I'm, I'm really proud of Luke and his team and the way they've played all year and they've been fantastic. And I think we, we matched them today. Um, the league's a good quality league, you know. Any one of six teams could have been in the finals and would have been just as good today. So um, it's it's a quality league, and um, yeah, I'm, I'm pretty. I mean, Capital Football should be pretty proud of the standard. And I also had a chat to Ugali coach Luke Santolin straight after after the game. And like I said, you can sort of hear the emotion and uh, heartbreak in his voice. Luke, dramatic uh, game to say the least. Uh, tip for tat, tip for tat. What are your thoughts on how the game sort of played out? 
still speechless. Um, Matt, um, far out. I just thought the, the game just felt like it was going to be Woggers today because uh, the more we tried to uh, knock their walls down, the more that they had one last, uh, one last push. And in the end, I feel like I <laughs> lost that game three times. You know, we scored with the last kick of the game. Uh, we went behind in penalties. Um, and then finally, they um, put us to the sword. Uh, but as a coach, that was well, that was a hard game to, to be a part of. Um, but credit to Wagga. Look how much it means to them. And, and you mentioned Wagga there. Where, where did they make it difficult for you in the first uh, 90 before you guys um, got all that momentum back and got into it? I think getting the early goal gave them something to defend and uh, like anything we uh, we were forcing it because we were so desperate to get back on terms. Um, You saw as soon as we got the goal how we dominated play and finally the real us showed up. Um, But in the end, like I said, Wagga had one last push. Um, They were five seconds away from doing us in extra time. We had a, you know, the football god smiled on us with the last kick. Um, But, you know, how many lives do we want? Like I said, when it came down to it, um, they were just uh, better in that final clutch moment. But to say that they don't deserve it today uh, would be impossible because they fought right to the end. And what about from your boys' point of view? I'm sure you, you guys still had a great season. I'm sure there's a lot of positives to take out for next year when um, hopefully promotion is back on the table. And also, uh, is there anything else you wanted to say about your uh, your crowd that came out today? Numbers, a lot of, uh, lot of noise from the Ugali crowd. Oh, proud of my club I love my club and I'm proud of my players and uh, they'll be hurting um, because of uh, you know the, the pride that they have in their performances I think there'll be a few of them that uh, you know there'll be, there'll be a few things that uh, could have went our way and just didn't and uh, it feels like all the luck we had in the um, in the main season or the regular season just uh, escaped us today and uh, you know we could have had the game could have went for another half an hour I just didn't feel like we had another goal in us you know even though we were probing uh, it was just a classic grand final um, I'm just exhausted mentally and emotionally mate and probably not coming across too good in this interview but it's very raw at the moment considering how uh, much we wanted to win not ashamed to say it you could hear um, Michael's a little less um, he uh, Michael uh, Babich was a little less, um, what's the word for it? You could see there was a little less, um, he, he held it in a little bit better, but you could tell he was uh, extremely happy and proud of his boys. You could see he was, uh, he was getting a bit emotional talking about it, especially near the end when I started mentioning a few of the players um, who played really well and, you know, the camaraderie of the boys. You could tell how much it meant to him. And, like, you could hear just there, you could hear how much it meant to Luke as well. That he was uh, sort of lost for words at, at moments and... Uh, he said he didn't come off as great in the interview, but uh, Luke, you, uh, you definitely did. Um, so, um, commiserations on that. You guys had a fantastic season, and you, and you guys had a fantastic final as well. And thank you very much to you and all you've uh, attributed and accomplished to the podcast, especially you, Gali, who have been very supportive of us. Absolutely. And so has Wagga City Wanderers. Uh, so, thank you very much to Michael Babich and everyone there. They've shared our posts numerous times. So, have you, Gali? They've uh, messaged us uh, yep. several times saying how great it is that we're helping the game and they're just happy that we're uh, covering them because they don't really get covered a lot throughout the season unless well, it's finals time. What I was mentioning before about not having really, you know, not having any of the games yep. uh, broadcasted on any sort of media platform. So I think for us and our efforts to be recognised uh, by those two teams, we, we thank them obviously uh, for, for their support. They've been, they've been fantastic and I think it's only right that we do what we had set out to do uh, when, when making this podcast uh, to, to give these teams exposure in the Canberra game, uh, as much exposure as, as we can to build the brand. And um, I just want to say that uh, they, they have been uh, fantastic uh, supporters and, and advocates for our podcast. So only, only massive thank yous uh, to those teams. And it, without a doubt. And, and everyone else, obviously. <laughs> but we're just talking about Wagga and Ugali uh, at the moment. Yeah, because... Yeah, I don't want to leave anyone out. I no, wasn't doing that on purpose. No, 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 of course not. And I just want to thank those, both those coaches again to speak, to be willing to speak and not have any issues to speak straight after the game because it is... You know, it's not always easy to speak straight after a game and I credit to both of them. They were 
uh, absolute stand-ups, and so were all the coaches that I talked to over the and players that I talked to straight after the MPL one and MPL W Grand Finals. And also thank you to all the coaches and players and presidents and everyone that has talked to us throughout the season. We are greatly, greatly, greatly appreciate it. And let's see what the off season brings and hopefully we have a full season next year to bring to you guys with some new features and whatnot. But uh and yeah, and especially the MPL, um, we'll, we'll, we're talking the MPL2 here, uh, so we'll mostly talk with the MPL2, thank you very much. I know they've been probably more excited than anyone for our podcast because we bring a spotlight to them every week, which they yep. don't usually get. They're usually some of the most, probably some of the best fans, some of the most passionate fans, and some of the most um, passionate players as well. I was talking to a few referees and they love refereeing, um, they love refereeing uh, MPL2 because... Mm. They, all, they also don't get three officials, so they really appreciate it when they do get at least two or three officials to come to the matches as well, especially in, in the outskirts. So, But let's um, just quickly mention the Riverina Derby. This was Riverina Derby. How much quality is there in this Riverina area? I think they've proved that both can play in MP1 and can play well. Um, just quickly touch upon that before we uh, wrap this up, Michael. Yeah, no, like, like you mentioned, I think to have two teams compete in the MPL2 Grand Final that are out of the Canberra region sort of just boasts how much depth and quality there is outside of Canberra. That's not to say that there's no quality in Canberra. There is massive qualities in Canberra with with the teams that, that, that are competing. It's just good to see that with our links in surrounding regions like Ugali and uh, Wagga, Wagga Wagga City, um, it, it's it's great to see a bit of you know diversity and and, and competition um, in in the NPL too. Um, you know it's going to boast really well, f- and it it actually intrigues me to see you know if we're going to see this next season if these two are going to be be in the final again. Granted, you know a, a lot of different factors like you know players coming in, players coming out, what what squads are going to look like, injuries, etc. But you know, it, it puts a question in your mind of if we're going to get a repeat of this or if one of these two teams are going to be promoted to MPL1 next season. Well, yeah, let's, uh, we forgot to mention that, but there's not really much to talk about, uh, touch upon because we've done that all this season. But let's hope for their sake and for the amount of money that the sponsors are putting in and all the effort that all the volunteers and all the players and everyone's and the managers are putting in that, they, that there is going to be promotion next, next season. Uh, so I'm not sure if it's been confirmed yet, but let's um, let's hope Fingers so. Fingers crossed. Fingers crossed indeed. All right, that's us for the final, and I think that just proves how uh, great the MPL2 Grand Final was when we talked when we've talked uh, about 28 minutes on it. Fantastic, perfect timing. <laughs> indeed, indeed. All right, thanks for joining me today, Michael. Any last words? No, um, you know, I think obviously all the Grand Finals have wrapped up now, so the seasons uh, are done. You know, no. MPLW, um, you know, I haven't had a chance to say congratulations to um, Canberra Croatia for, for winning the MPLW competition. Obviously, in MPL, um, Canberra Croatia again, the men's are uh, c- capturing the title there against Gungahlin United. And, um, you know, I've already s- <laughs> given my congratulations to Wagga City for capturing the MPL too. So, I mean, it's been a shortened season. Uh, sorry, a shortened season. Uh, but there's been a lot to cover. I think we've made it, you know, apparent, and you know, we've put in a lot of work to make sure that we do have different topics to discuss. You know, each and every each and every week, and each and every time that we get together and, and brainstorm um, ideas and how we're going to go about the podcast um, going forward. Obviously, there'll be more to uh, talk about next season. Given, granted, there is. Uh, a normal season. Uh, we'll see what happens with COVID, um, but I, I'm excited. I, I think we did fantastically uh, well uh, to get this up and running uh, this this season. Uh, given all, you know, we we had that great first podcast, and then we got hit um, with the competitions um, coming to a close because of the implications of, of, of COVID, and you know, it it kind of you know dampened the spirit a little bit because we had. A great first podcast to really build off but we had a quite a, a long time off but we managed to bounce back we got some great guests on through, throughout the year um, so I just want to say thank you to you know Russ Gibbs, Frank Keisha, 
uh, Jeremy, who, who you commentated with for the MPLW, and uh, of, of course Michael uh, Cagliano, uh, who came on uh, to talk about the Canberra A-League bid. And, you know, it, it, and I might not be thinking of the other names um, if I am missing out on anyone else that's, that's uh, you know, come on the podcast or have had any sort of involvement. But I just want to say thank you to all those people because we wouldn't have been able to do any of this without them, especially Ruskies who helped us out at the, at the start. Um, you know, it's been a fantastic year. We can build off this um, this year um, with the content that we've produced and I, I think it's really exciting, t- exciting times for the future. Yeah, no, without a doubt, without a doubt. And uh, you've uh, said it, I said it last week as well. Thank you to everybody else, especially Russ Gibbs, who's helped us a lot. And uh, thanks to you for joining me today. Uh, everybody, though, stay tuned because we have Jeremy McGann on the other side of this and we're going to discuss the MPLW and uh, MPL2 restructuring for next season. Okay, welcome back for our discussion on the proposed restructuring of the MPLW, MPL2 and MPL Youth. Uh, I've got Jeremy McGann who has done quite a bit of bar TV commentary for MPLW specifically, so I feel like he is one of the best people to ask about this discussion. First of all, Jeremy, how are you going today? Yeah, I'm good. How are you doing, Matt? Thanks for having me here again. No, no, no worries. Uh, glad to have you on. Now, let's just get straight into it. So it was announced about this restructuring of the competition, and Phil Brown said in an article with the Canberra Times written by Lucy Bertoldo about the decision to do this and they want all the competitions like MPL1 they all want it to be sort of the same amount of teams the the same amount of teams they want the same amount of matches and they feel like it will bring it will give the MPLW more matches it will give them 21 rounds instead of whatever number of rounds it was and it feels like it will give everybody more opportunity to shine and more opportunity to progress in their future so let's that's just briefly what was stated by phil brown we'll delve into it more now jeremy first of all what are your initial thoughts when you uh read that they were going to be cutting a team from mplw and mpl2 well i think i think the mind goes two ways right first uh and that's that's i guess how i'm made first i feel bad for whoever's going to be cut. uh i think it's it's terrible for a, a team who's invested so much time and energy and money to hear that actually an accident you're not in the competition uh, that that's the first thought then if you think a little bit more um long term and and the competition and where we want it to go and if you think more about the best players we have in the competition uh maybe it is a good thing maybe you're not giving them 16 games you're giving them 21 games now plus finals uh you're giving them maybe a little bit more of the strongest competition so it, it goes both ways i think done well any format works um so if the call is made that it should be the same from npl1 all the way down to npl youth npl2 NPLW, everywhere sure as long as it's done well i don't have a big problem with it and let's first let's talk about the positives of what will happen we'll look at the uh at the bright side of it what do you feel will be some of the positives do you think it will obviously the fact that they get more games is always good but like we said it comes at the cost of a team being cut so we'll talk about more we'll talk more about that in the negative uh, part but what do you think are some of the positives besides obviously more games for the women and for MPL2 I, I think the, the main positives are going to be for the organization and I'm not saying only for capital football uh, but also for the club to be able to be organized you know um, when you start playing and when you finish playing across your club you don't have your men's team finishing five weeks after your female team etc and it also allows for the finals to be planned accordingly I think obviously having consistency across every single competition makes organizing the competition easier as far as the the team's that will be in the competition uh, left and the players. It's also good to have more games. It's probably good to face the f- best team three times other than two. Uh, you know, if you have three times uh, going against uh, Camera Croatia this season, you know, you have three really good games. And I think having spoken to some players uh, and without any disrespect to some of the teams in our, in our competitions, some players, they need to play against 
the best players to be able to progress. If you're the best player in the league and there are some games that you're going to win against without any disrespect to any a team, because I understand how running a team, what winning team means, uh, if you're going to win 10-0 three weeks out of seven, uh, because it was a short season th this year, it's not really interesting for your players. So on one hand, you want all the players to stay in the competition, but to be able to do that, I think it's important that you treat your best player maybe as maybe you need to prioritize them a little bit if you don't want them to go to New South Wales to find a better competition maybe the way to make the ACT better is to have a smaller competition because you don't have the ability to have eight teams that can compete year in year out for the top four spots okay, okay I can I can I can see that uh, I can see that uh, that's clearly what um cover football would be thinking when they uh, made this sort of announcement now let's sort of talk about the negatives, which I'm assuming there'll be a lot more in that regard. Obviously, we've delved upon it. Um, obviously, one team's going to be cut, and I'll let you expand a bit upon this, but what my worry would be, it's less about a team getting cut. If they cut a team from MPLW, let's say, that'll mean they get cut from everything else, no? That, that, that should be that every Reserve single... If, I mean, if I'm not mistaken, every single competition in MPLW from top to bottom, 13, 15, 17, 20 um, reserves, excuse me, and first grade is nine teams right now. So if you get one team, you get from 13 all the way to first grade. It'll be interesting to see if they they say, no, 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 we don't mean that because they'll surely it'll have to be that. Uh, but for example, but how, and the, the real negative is, it's especially, let's just say they cut whatever team wasn't performing well, right, in either competition. Wouldn't you say that's a bad look for capital football? Say, hey, they're judging this this club based off like you know one like like seven what is it nine games worth of eight games worth of uh, you know results, uh, or is it going to be more of an administrative you know thing that that you think they'll look at? You 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 got to hope that you got to hope that they're going to make the decision the right way. Uh, I mean, you know, we we are not yeah we are not in the office Monday to Friday with them, and we are not. Um, I've actually never been in the office. In the, me, me, me neither. So you know, we're not, we're not in in their plans, and they probably they definitely have a plan for to make it work the right way. You would hope that they're not going to just be like, oh, you know what, those, this team didn't play well this season. We're going to get rid of it. You would hope that the the choice would be made on a lot of factors, which to me the most important is can they develop football? Can they can they actually produce players year in year out that are adding something real to our to our competition because if you if you want to look at teams that don't perform uh canberra olympic last season is struggling and this season they're in semi-final of five out of their uh, four out of, out of their five teams imagine if they, yeah imagine if they cut olympic based off you know last season's I mean? results so you, you never know what can happen and if we look at who came last in both competitions we obviously have uh, Monaro, but they just made a new announcement in emma stanbury and who knows, maybe they can attract more players mm -mm. due to that announcement. And if they get cut based off results, you know, that's, that's um, you know, it, it'll, be, it'll be interesting to say, that, it'll be interesting to say the least. And, but then if you look at the, if you look at sort of the clubs, let's just start with MPLW, then we'll go MPL2. If you sort of look at the clubs who everyone has been talking about, let's just talk about uh, the ones in this article, shall we? So who, who were they that Lucy mentioned in the article? I think she only mentions Monaro Panthers, if I'm not mistaken, just because um, she, they were with Spoon this season. But I think uh, in what Phil Brown seems to say, it's, it'll depend on the result in the past few years and plus the ability, like I was saying, to actually bring youth to the, to the competition, the, the facilities, uh, and how many games have they forfeited uh, year in, year out. So... If, if, if you look at all this, to, to me, it looked like the decision is about to be fair. But, and again, I don't, I'm not in every single competition, so I don't know that. But in NPLW, I'm not aware of a team that is forfeiting. I'm aware of a few teams that sometimes have three, four players playing maybe in reserves and in the first grade. But it happens... He happens in Turgrenong, he happens in Warden, he happens in Belconnen, he happens in every single club. It happened, on the week. MPL, it happened in MPL1 as well, it's quite a few times this year. So. It's, just, it's just how it is. Um, so so I, I think, like I said, I, I, would, I would think that the team who gets cut is the team that when I think every single club had to give 
um, the expression of interest to be part of the competition next season, this week or next, because oh. the, it says that the decision is being released end of October. Before I forget, how hard is it for capital? How hard is it going to be for capital football when everyone reapplies and then they, because they're not going to make their decision until they see until they see everyone's reapplication, right? How hard is it going to be for them when they look at it and go, oh, you know, crap, there's a there's a knock-on effect here. For example, let's just say they. Uh, let's just look at the bottom half of the MPL W ladder. Let's just say it's Woden Western, right? Mm-hmm. If you get rid of Woden Western, you're getting rid of, like you said, everyone, not just MPL W, all the way down, and you're, that means you're also getting rid of the team who, fin- who came in the final of the MPL reserves. If you look at Monaro, you're getting rid of a club who has, you know, who has a massive junior base, and that's a knock-on effect all the way down. And don't forget, they also have that, uh, that partnership with Brenda Bella, who also have a massive junior base of women, both of women, who that's knocking that all the way down. And then if you look at Tagranong, they've got, I think they have like one of the biggest junior bases in Canberra, especially in the south anyway of Canberra. And you're, that's a massive knock-on effect there. And so, it, and then, then if, if you've got Wagga, you're you know, also doing the exact same thing. And I don't think... Just because they're regional... Yeah, they're regional, and I don't think Capital Football want to look at it and try and dissuade regional teams from coming in, so I think Wagga are pretty safe, in my opinion. Um, but then if you look at, for example, CUA, of course they're run by Capital Football, so a lot of people, uh, I think that's that would be part of the discussion, sort of, you know, with other clubs saying, you know, CUA, you guys run them, but obviously... Uh, if they get rid of CUA, what's going to happen there? There's a whole lot of players. Are they just going to go to other teams or are they going to run CUA and play it through a different thing? So it's, it's going to be really interesting to see how they come down to this decision because it's going to be very hard. What's the likely... Yeah, actually, just discuss what I just said there. <laughs> uh, I think if they're, however that sounds, if they're lucky, they're going to have one application that's just lacking. An application that didn't have enough yep. members this season, that doesn't have the right, um, maybe the right financial backing. It's been a hard year for a lot of clubs. Uh, There might be one application that is just not strong enough compared to the other club because everything that you mentioned before, I think, again, from the outside looking in, it looks like every NPLW club is is pretty strong. And it's it's not about, it's not necessarily about NPLW first grade. It's about everything. how you bring them. You know, it's it's like everything in life. There are some teams in Premier League that are the best clubs in Premier League, but Liverpool would be nothing without their satellite clubs around them. Um, you know, discussing discussing around, there's people that are saying, you know, if Monaro if Monaro is not in a competition anymore, well, the girls can go to Brindabella and play in Division One because they have a partnership anyway. For sure, you can do that. I think you can do anything. It's about planning it properly and and. To, to me, that's the, I guess the major qualm that I have is that it's been announced on Friday that there's going to be only eight teams anymore, anywhere. It's going to happen in the next few... Look, the decision is made in the next few weeks, in three weeks maximum, the decision will be made. And then three months later, that club is not in the competition. To me, it looks and sounds rushed. We are at the end of a very, of a very complicated year for yeah. a lot of clubs. Uh, to me, it's a decision that needs that needed more time. Maybe a year where, look, we go by and we keep the number of teams that we have, but we tell that team, regardless of what happened, it might be your last year. I don't know if it's the right way to do it, because maybe it's hard for the girls to know that it's your last year in this competition, but at least you give the club an opportunity to, to plan properly for the next season. I would hope that whoever, whichever club gets cuts, I would really hope that Capital Football calls almost, like deploy resources to call every single player of that club and tell them, hey, you can go to this club, you can go to that club, you can go to this club. I would hope that the players aren't the one losing in that situation because some players are very passionate and will will find another another team and will keep playing. But some players are just playing because it's a good way to go out on the weekend and, and they have friends in that in that team and they, it's close to home or whatever. They will not play somewhere else. And now we're losing players. And now instead of actually reinforcing the competition, we're weakening it because we're taking a, a team off. Okay, Jeremy, let's talk about uh, CUA. Uh, in, uh, before we move on to the negative aspects, it has an MPL too. Uh, yeah, I think with the academy, um, you know, the, Europe, the European model of an academy is, or at least uh, in France, I'm not going to talk outside of France, it's, it's a place where you go during the week and you train and potentially you learn, uh, and then you go back 
Friday night train with your team and play on the weekends. So it, I would understand if the team that gets axed say, hey, how about we change the way the academy works? I think right now it's impossible to change the academy, again, because of how long it takes to do the actual change. And also because um, Canberra United is our only top tier team right now in, in the capital. Uh, but I, I would think that's something that can maybe happen if, when an A-League team happen or whatever, that, that bid. Uh, but, but yeah, I think I, I can hear when, I can understand when some people are like, oh, you know, the academy may be the team that, that is dropped because if you want consistency across the board, then why don't you have the exact same teams in NPL double one, NPLW? Why don't you tell an NPL one team, if you want to be able to be in my competition, you have to have a women's club for you. You know, where, where's, where's Kuma's NPLW team? Uh, because then you don't have, you don't really have consistency if you don't have the same clubs everywhere. What's the incentive for Monaro to have a very strong NPL, NPL one team NPL1 team, sorry, for capital football if you tell them you can't have an NPLW team. Um, so I, I think, like we said, there's a lot of, uh, there's a lot of positive and negatives and I think it's really about how, how it's being approached and, and hopefully everything will be done the right way but at the end somebody will suffer. Well, when we come back and have another discussion in like two weeks or whenever the decision is made, I, like I said, I'm going to be very intrigued to see how they've made the decision, what they come out with, what announcement and what the talk is because there will be something that cover footballers say but then there will be you know there's always extra yeah. talk so it'll be very interesting to see what the extra talk is and how they came to this decision um, but you mentioned CUA in there and then we, uh, a lot of people have, have their opinion on that and we'll just uh, we'll just leave it at that for now and we'll just um, go on and talk about the negative aspects has on MPL2 now like I mentioned uh, MPL2 had 10 teams to start the season Southern Tables pulled out before COVID there's been a lot of talk they're probably not going to uh, be in MPL2 next year and there's been a lot of talk that uh, one of the clubs in uh, that have only just re-established themselves in the state league Gangal and Juventus um, would be entering the MPL2 competition there's been a lot of talk now from a lot of people um, and people in decent positions that would know you know that would have heard the talk and would have been involved in some of these discussions that they, that they um, obviously it's not official but it's been very well speculated about now, if this is true, that means there will be no Gagal and Juventus. They won't be allowed in, and they'll be cutting a team. So not only are you cutting a team, you're also denying a team who has probably already found the sponsors because uh, these sort of talks don't happen if it's not already decently advanced before. Like you said, it's, it seems like a rushed decision here by Capital Football. It seems like they only came up with it in the past, you know, whatever, whatever so weeks. Uh, but this is... They've probably already found sponsors that have been willing to put in more money. They've probably already found, you know, some players. I've heard news about certain players being contacted to play for them next season. That's how confident they were they were getting a team. So there's a lot of money at stake for them. There's obviously pride being, oh, we're, we're going to make it. And then there's also the, you're also, I feel like this is dissuading a lot of future clubs that could fill this void eventually if, because we've seen, through this whole podcast, uh, before when I talked with Michael, we will talk about how great this game was, how great this final was, and how underrated the MPL2 is. They've proved that they've got the quality, and if they keep sticking to the quality, and there can always be more teams eventually added, and you can eventually expand the competition. This might dissuade some clubs from that. And of course, this also cuts another team from the MPL2. Yeah, they get more games, but I feel like this hurts MPL2 just as much. I know a lot of people will be talking MPLW, but MPL2 this will hurt just as much because these are all clubs that one year ago they were excited because like, oh yes, we're going to have promotion. And then COVID happens and then they get the disappointing news that they're not going to have promotion. And now they're getting disappointing news that oh, one of you is going to get kicked out of the competition. And MPLW didn't have that. Now MPL2 only in the past two years have heard all this positive news and it feels like it's sort of a lot, they would feel like there's a lot of regression, you know. Obviously, other circumstances have played into it. And I'm sure COVID's played into all. I'm sure COVID is the underlying factor into all these decisions, right? But for them, I feel probably a little worse than MPLW because they've had all this promise, this promise, this promise of positiveness, and now it's a lot of it has been taken away. So, what do you think about that for MPL2? I think. I think for, uh, you know, who's got it well between NPLW and NPL2, I think it's different problematics. I think NPLW yeah. is uh, is representing a sport that is developing and that is yeah. trying to find more and more players. Oh, sorry, I, 
I should correct myself. I don't think it's worse. I said I feel worse. I feel oh, worse. Oh, sure, sure, MPL2. sure. Yeah, yeah. I just want to correct that. I feel worse for MPL2 considering the circumstances of where they were a year ago and all the promises they've been given. Yeah, and, and, I, and I, agree, I agree with you because the, the, the two different problematics is on one hand, you're trying to get as much talent as possible. On the other hand, you already have the talent. You already have the players. You already have a competition. Sure, there's been a couple of teams that weren't the best this season in NPL too, but there are teams that have a real, um, you know, a real culture, a real uh, following, you know, teams that have a real identity. And to be fair, Brindabella, who finished second last, they beat... Queen City, who was second place on the last day of the season, and they finished with like seven plus points or something like that, which you know is, yeah, you know, which is actually quite impressive. And then Narabanda, to be fair to them though, they had a short squad. If they had a few more players, there's no reason. Like when I saw them against White Eagles, they were quite competitive. So if they get a couple more players under their belt, Brindabella showed they were competitive. They just weren't consistent, but they they've shown they've shown they can be competitive by beating some of those teams. And they already vastly improved on last season when they came last. And then Narabunda, uh, if they can get a few more players and get a full get a full sort of squad, there's no reason why they couldn't compete. Because when they showed up, like against White Eagles, one of the best teams in the comp, they competed pretty well. So, and that, that was only two nil. And they had a there was a few chances where they actually had the score in that match. I remember quite clearly. And that could have been if they had one of those goals, could have changed the whole game. So if we're basing it, you know, off that sort of thing. I think, obviously, we're, we're all talking about how it sucks for these clubs. But for MPL2, like you were talking about the quality there, the quality at the bottom, I don't feel is that bad. Um, I don't feel it's bad at all, actually. There's just certain circumstances. Like, Narrabunda, obviously, they didn't get a win or a point this season. But like I said, with those circumstances, they get a full squad. There's no reason why they can't get near Brindabella numbers or more. And Brindabella just weren't consistent. But when they showed up, they showed up. They beat Queen City. That was no fluke. And they beat Queen City in the preseason as well, who ended up finishing in the semi-finals. So and circumstances go both ways. Ugali is yeah. their first in NPL too, and they're that good because the Rhinos, the Rhinos aren't there anymore. Uh, so you know, it, w- what's to say that next season now Abuna doesn't get like three, four, I'd call them marquee players that we know are talented that just want to play there just because they got the right coach or or anything. So you know, I think again, it's all about how it's going to be done, and if it is. If it's putting every competition at eight teams with the hopes of developing further the ACG football, so can State League One have a path to NPL2? Do you know what I mean? Is that the next step? Because if that's the next step, sure. Then it makes sense. Th- then it makes sense. You know? Then you can put whoever you kick out of NPL. And then they have to fight to come back up. But uh, yeah, Because that would be my issue. Where do you put, actually, NPL2 and NPLW both the same. Where do you put them? NBLW, and that's why I think uh, we heard once if Monaro is out of the competition, they have a partnership with Brindabella, they can go back to Division 1. Uh, and NPL2, I don't know, there's already other teams with almost the same names in, uh, in State League. Um, so, so it's about, I think it's, it looks like you take off a club and you hope the players are going to play with another team rather than you put them in the division under. It, it, there's definitely that, that feeling of lack of lack of that's what we want to do for you afterwards which I'm sure that it's just a feeling and that's not what's going to happen in truth like they're actually going to be a follow-up behind and, and help them f- finding their feet after they have the, the bad news uh, but yeah in, that's what's in my mind you know if the NPLW loses the team but in two or three years time we have an NPLW2 great if the NPL2 uses, uses the team but in what am I saying two or three years but in one year you say that State League One the champion can play a playoff to be able to get to NPL2 proven like under the condition that they have X amount of money, that facilities, etc., etc. Sure, if you really want to develop the competition, then do it on every single angle. Push everyone to actually want to come up. Like you say, it can be disheartening for a club like Gunga and Juventus to be like, oh, you get everything ready the whole season and then no, actually you're never going to go up. But if you tell those guys, hey, great, thank you for doing all this for us, finish first on your state league one and you're going to have a chance a path to be able to go to the npl2 then happy days everyone's going to actually push for it so like i said you just hope that that we're not the only one thinking that we're not the smartest people on the planet right there's some there's people that are paid more than us to think about those things uh and let's hope that th- those thoughts are there as well and that they are doing whatever it takes to help the competition not only at the top tier but also 
give a path to people to go to that top tier that is not only signed to that club? Yeah, look, I'm 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 just uh, looking forward to a conversation we're going to have in a couple of weeks when this uh, <laughs> when either more news comes out or it's going to be just interesting to see what happens. But uh, any last words before we uh, before we wrap up, Jeremy? Um, look, look, I, I just think I just think you know you hope that there's going to be a good decision. However, however that sounds, I don't know if it can be a good decision, but you hope that the backlash is not going to be too bad if the decision is not good. You hope that there's going to be a proper follow-up when the decision is made. You, you hope that the decision made will be made because there will, there will be one club that's actually not ready to have a team decision across every single age group because a club that is, not, that is struggling in NPLW or NPL2 but is great in youth, why, why would you prevent those young players to actually play football? So you hope that that's going to happen. And then you just have to wait for, I guess, the reactions. Yeah, no, look, it's going to be, it's going to be incredibly interesting. Um, I already asked, but is there any, any more thoughts? Because uh, you're, you're, you're always uh, filled with thoughts, Jeremy. When, <laughs> when, I say, when I say, oh, we're done, you're like, oh, no, no, I got to, go back to the recording. I forgot to say this. Uh, no, no, hey, look, I, I think, we've, uh, I think we've, we've discussed it all, uh, you know, you almost want to say best of luck to uh, to every single team and uh, the the teams that were in the bottom of those competitions that we've commented this season uh, we we get along with everyone and we've seen everyone's hard work behind the scenes so we don't wish to be cut from the competition to any team uh, and you know I, I i just really hope that we can be in a position in a month to say hey sorry that that happened to you but see what they are doing yet there's a chance that you're coming back the year after or whatever i really hope that that's what it's going to be the end of the conversation Exactly. Let's hope there's sort of a plan. And Jeremy, uh, thank you for joining me today. We'll be back in two weeks or three weeks' time whenever decision is made. the decision is made or if there's some massive news or article before that, then we'll uh, come back and discuss it. So thank you very much as always and thank you for your contributions to this podcast throughout the season. Thanks, Matt. Appreciate it. No, thank you. All right. Thank you very much, everybody. That is our MPL2 final wrap-up and also our competition restructure news discussion with Jeremy Magan. Uh, thank you very much, and thank you very much for all your uh, listens and follows and shares and subscribes and likes throughout the season. It is greatly appreciated. Don't worry, even though the season is over, we'll be back with more content. Like I mentioned with Jeremy, we'll come back with another discussion about the, the restructure, and we're also going to have some special interviews within the coming weeks and months. It won't be weekly as such, but we'll still be trying to get our content as, you know, as consistently as possible. So thank you very much. Have a great week.